Well, it is truly a privilege and a blessing to be here before you and to open the Word of God with you. And these days have been a rich blessing to my soul. And we ask and need the Lord to help us again today, don't we? And to give us what He has for this hour. So let's pray once again and then we'll look into the Word. Now, Father, we, we thank you, we thank you for this new morning. We're thankful that, that uh, we, we are clothed and in our right mind. We th- we're thankful that we're able to gather here and open your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit, a spirit of faith and power and love and of a sound mind. For clear, clarity in speaking and in hearing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be reading two verses this morning uh, as we begin to look into the Word. The first one is from Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3. He says, For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. I'll be referring back to this verse. The vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. And then Isaiah 43, or I'm sorry, 48, and verse 3. Isaiah 48 and verse 3. God says this, I declared the former things long ago, and they went forth from my mouth, And I proclaimed them. Suddenly, I acted. And they came to pass. Suddenly, I acted. And they came to pass. So I'd like to focus our attention this morning on one word. And that's the word, suddenly. Suddenly. The Bible is full of suddenlies over and over in Scripture. You begin to look at them and look them all up. It, it is amazing how many suddenlies. And if we were to take the time to, to just to look up all the suddenlies that relate to God and God's actions, they fall into two categories. <clears throat> God either suddenly judges or He suddenly blesses. God's sudden judgments and sudden blessing. And God is a God who acts suddenly. So suddenly oftentimes that it just takes your breath away. He acts suddenly. And when he acts, um, it is very often following the pattern that we see here in Isaiah 48 and verse 3. You could almost say that this is a theology of God's Suddenly. And the way it goes is like this. Um, God 
decrees something, he plans something, and he decrees it and he announces it, and then time passes, and time passes. Long ago, he said, long ago, I declared this. And he seems to be doing nothing. He seems to be looking the other way. Nothing's happening. We wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait. Absolutely nothing happening. And then suddenly, he acts. So this verse uh, 3 of Isaiah 48 seems to be a theology of God's suddenlies. And the, the verse in Habakkuk that we'll look at more as we go along is sort of an extended commentary on it. God declares things long ago, sometimes hundreds of years. And hundreds of years passed. They went forth from my mouth and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted and they came to pass. And Habakkuk 2.3, the visions yet for appointed time, it hastens toward the goal. I know some of you if you're using the authorized version, it reads a little differently than that. We'll talk about that as we go along. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail, though it tarries. So it's going to seem like a long time. A long time. It's, oh, it tarries. Wait for it. It will surely come. It says that over and over. It's certainly going to come. Wait for it. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not tarry. Though it tarries, wait for it. It won't tarry. It won't delay. So again, this often seems to be the pattern of the way God deals with men, both in Scripture and throughout church history. There are long periods of time when it seems like nothing, and then suddenly acts in judgment or blessing. For every non-Christian, for everyone here who's not right with God, that's a terrifying thing. Because God suddenly acts in judgment. Let me just give some examples. Proverbs 29.1 He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be cut off. And that without remedy. <clears throat> get the picture of someone who's heard the truth over and over. This person's talked to him, that person's talked to him. And he hardens his heart being often reproved. He stiffens his neck being often reproved. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this. Nothing's going to happen. He just keeps on going down the course until suddenly he's cut off. And it's over then. It's beyond remedy. Nothing's going to change it after that. Proverbs 1, 22-30, you don't need to look these up. God says, How long, O naive ones, will you love simplicity, and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. Because I called, and you refused. I stretched out my hand, and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel, did not want my reproof. So see, it just goes on and on and on. And then I'll, what, what's he say? I'll mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. 
it comes on like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come on you, then they'll call on me, but I won't answer. Proverbs 6, 12-14, A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a false mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart devises evil continually, who spreads strife. So this is a way of life with this man. And it goes on and on. And, and any observer, you'd say, well, this is the way that it's going to be. From here on, it's never ending. Nothing will ever change. Then the very next verse. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly, he'll be broken. And there'll be no healing. You see, you're, are you getting the picture? Long ago, time passing, suddenly. Beloved, these things have happened repeatedly, both in the Bible and down through church history. I've, I've heard so many stories in my Christian life of the suddenlies happening in church history. And in, I mean, well, by church history, I mean things that I've seen. And I've heard so many stories, I can't remember them all. I mean, I know a, a, a man of God who's since gone to be with the Lord. <clears throat> They were experiencing uh, a touch of God pouring out His Spirit. God was moving. God was real. And uh, those men were walking in humility. And there was a woman in the church that was opposing everything the elders were doing. And at some point she said, over my dead body. And they met for prayer. They weren't asking God to do anything to that woman. They were just praying, oh Lord, please, would you... Would you do something, Lord, to intervene here? You see the situation. The phone rings. So-and-so, yeah, yeah, she just dropped dead. Just suddenly. Sudden judgment. I, I knew another brother who was a dear friend of mine, pastor. He had opposition. There was a man in this church opposing him, opposing him. And I believe the man finally left the church but continued to cause problems. And he's out in the parking lot of Walmart or wherever. Bolt of lightning. It's suddenly. Well, that, that, that guy's gone. There's no remedy. There's no healing. As I've said, I've heard so many stories during the years that I've been a Christian of God's suddenly, sudden judgments that I can't even remember them all. And we have it throughout the Bible. There's so many verses on this in the Bible. Repeatedly in Scripture. Ananias and Sapphira, you know, suddenly. And it's actually a, a sign of great blessing. God says in Malachi 3.5, where He's talking about the coming of the Messiah, He says, Then I'll draw near to you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers, the adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who oppress the hard worker and his wages. The widow and the fatherless and against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me. He says, I'm, I'm going to come close to you and I'll be a swift witness against them. And it's a great blessing when God comes in. You know, remember in the early church, it says great fear fell upon everybody. It, it says God is close and real. He's real. 
But again, there are not one or two verses in the Bible about this. They occur again and again. Let me just give you a few more. I won't even give you the references. Listen to these. In spite of all this, they still sinned and did not believe in His wonderful works. So He brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden terror. Here's another one. Therefore, this iniquity will be to you like a breach about to fall, a bulge in a high wall. So you picture this. There's this sin building up and there's this bulge up there in a high wall. That's the way things are. That's the state of things for the man in rebellion against God. Like a bulge in a high wall whose collapse comes suddenly in an instant. Here's another. These two things shall come on you suddenly in one day. Loss of children and widowhood. O daughter of my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. Mourn as for an only son, a lamentation most bitter, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. I have made their widows more in number than the sand of the seas. I have made anguish and terror fall on them suddenly. This is Amos 5.9. God makes destruction flash forth against the strong. See what I mean? He says it all the time. Psalm 73, the psalmist is envious of the wicked. You remember his eyes bulge with fatness and he doesn't have any problems. And he said his, he was not doing well. His, he was about to slip. He said, until I came into the sanctuary, then I perceived their latter end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. God has set the wicked in slippery places. So here's the, here's the Bible picture. And you know, if you've ever been fishing on a rainy day on a muddy bank you know what it's like to be set in slippery places and you have no you have no certainty you're not stable you don't I mean it can go just like that uh, sometimes in caves it's like that I was a bunch of us went in a cave one time where it was a deal where you could be walking on level ground and just your feet fly out from under you and you you're down. When you get to be my age, it becomes more critical not to have that happen. <laughs> Went to school in northeast Iowa. We had a lot of ice storms, but one of them was unusually slick. It was so slick that what you could be standing two guys talking, and all of a sudden your feet fly out from under you. But that's the picture that God gave God. He, he says, I went into the sanctuary and I realized God has set them in slippery places. You know, Jonathan Edwards spoke about that. In due time, their foot will slide, will slip. Verse out of, what is it, out of Deuteronomy, I think. The day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. There's that idea. Proverbs 28, 18, He who is crooked in his ways will suddenly 
fall, slip, fall. Terrifying picture. So, the lost man has no idea how precarious his position is. He feels secure. They say peace and safety. Sudden destruction comes upon them. But I want to move on to God's sudden blessings, but let me just say this. For the Christian, there's comfort many times in God's sudden judgment. Because God is able to, and often does, take out a wicked ruler, for, for example, in a moment. So you'll have a situation where somebody is in power, and it seems impossible that anything will ever change, and in a moment, he's gone. Uh, you have the example in the Bible of Belshazzar, um, a wicked ruler. Daniel 5, you know, in his pride, he called for these vessels from, that had been taken from the temple, the holy vessels. And he, it says, his nobles, his wives, and his concubines, they take all these holy vessels and they're drinking from them, praising the gods of, of gold and silver and wood and so on. What happened? Suddenly. Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. Suddenly, just like that. And his thoughts, his face grew pale, his thoughts alarmed him, his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together. Here's the most powerful man in the world and in a moment he's reduced to this abject fear, sniveling fear. Daniel came in and said, you, you Belshazzar have exalted yourself against the God of heaven, the one in whose hand are your life, breath, and your ways you have not glorified. <clears throat> so God's able to wipe out the enemies of the gospel with one stroke. Years ago, um, our church was taking special days to pray and fast for the Baptist pastors that we knew were in prison in the Soviet Union. And we had pictures that had, that had been gotten out of these men and their names and we'd put up their pictures and we were going to pray for them. We had no idea God was going to bring down the entire Soviet Union. <laughs> but every one of those men was freed. Some of them were freed through death in prison before it all happened. But every one of them. Well, sudden judgment after long periods of apparent inactivity. But the same is true, and even more so, concerning sudden blessing. Malachi 3, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to His temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger. He'll clear the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he's coming. No, over and over he emphasizes it's going to happen. It will happen. It's going to happen. But it's going to seem like nothing's happening. 
and then suddenly it'll happen. I'm wanting to build in your mind the biblical idea of God's suddenlies. That's, that's what we're, what, where we're trying to go. I'm not going to say very much today. But I'll be saying about two things, actually. But if we could get a hold of them, that's not reading all these verses. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. So what, is, what an illustration this is of the principle that we're talking about this morning. For hundreds of, of years, the Jews have been waiting. Back in the day, Moses spoke of the coming of the Messiah. 1,500 years. And then you get to Isaiah, 700 years. And then here's Malachi saying, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And then you look at this gap in here of blank, blank page, couple of blank pages, 400 years. 400 years of silence. And then suddenly the Lord comes to his temple. Here's this old man, Zacharias, chosen by Lot to burn incense. And he's there. And suddenly, an angel appears there and he says, your prayer's been heard. Your wife's going to have a son. It's like, huh? He wasn't in there praying for a son. He had long before given up on that. Years before he'd been praying. And he says, your wife's going to have a son. Well, everything begins to happen and unfold after that. I mean... In three years, what had been waited for for millennia takes place in a three-year span. Suddenly, there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and suddenly, <laughs> unexpectedly, these shepherds are not thinking, well, we keep a look on the sky here, some angels might appear. This angel appeared. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. And you remember as you read through the Gospels, immediately, immediately, and immediately. It says, while Peter was yet speaking, this cloud overshadows them. And all at once they looked around and there was no one but Jesus. All these suddenlies. You get to the, the tomb, the empty tomb. The women are there looking, you know, and suddenly, these two men appear and say, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? And then it's capped off, the, the greatest of all, really, is they were all with one accord in one place on the, on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. They were not sitting there thinking, I wonder if there's going to be a, a, a strong wind. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were just waiting. They, and, and suddenly, God comes. Well, God is the living God. And I want to encourage us this morning that though it seems like nothing is happening and like God is doing nothing and like time is dragging on and on that doesn't prove one thing about what God might do this afternoon or tomorrow or this week that's the way he is 
You think of, of prayers, you know. We mentioned Zacharias and Elizabeth. They'd prayed for John the Baptist. They didn't know they were praying for John the Baptist. They were praying for a son. And God says, I'm not going to answer that prayer until we get right here to the appointed time. And then I'm going to give you John the Baptist. Been too soon if he had been born back then. It may seem like God is doing nothing and time is dragging on and on. That doesn't prove anything. Think of Joseph. God had told him that his brothers were going to come and bow down to him. From the time God said that to him, everything that happened in his life was going the opposite direction. I mean, for years. As many years as he had had lived whenever he had the dream, that many years passed before the appointed time. And everything gets worse and worse. And you know, it's like when he thinks it can't get any worse, it gets worse. And he's sitting there in prison, he's thinking, I'm never going to get out of this prison. And then he hears the keys jangling. (laughs) But then one day, he goes from being in prison to being the most powerful man in the world. Isn't this amazing? Suddenly, the vision is yet for the appointed time. Though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will surely come. Moses. 40 years old when God showed him that he was going to be the one to deliver the children of Israel. And he ends up fleeing from Pharaoh. He's out there 10 years. 10 years if nothing's happening is a long time. I mean, 10 years flies by for us because we've got got something, uh, something going on all the time. We're not just looking at those sheep you know, out there in the wilderness. But he's there for 10 years looking at sheep, and then he's there for 20 years, and then he's there for 30 years, and there's not a lot of entertainment out there in the wilderness. And you don't, you, you know, after 35 years, he had had many a time when he's, when he's sitting out there alone thinking, I mean, he's having some deep meditations, to say the least. 38 years, 39 years, 40 years, as long as the whole previous course of his life, 40 years, well, what's a, what is that bush over there that's on fire? It's a suddenly... And suddenly, he's on his way back to Egypt for the greatest adventure of his entire life. It's like his life's beginning. He's 80 years old. I think this may be part of the Meaning of the Lord's words there at the end of the of Revelation, where He says, "Behold, I come quickly." Well, Lord, it's been two thousand years already, but it 
it, what's it mean? It's, it, it'll be right on time, just right down to the exact moment. And when it happens, like lightning flashing from the east to the west, it'll happen suddenly. Remember what the Lord said about His second coming. He said, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest He come suddenly and find you asleep. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, In the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Does that sound familiar? No, nothing's happening. Nothing's, nothing's happening. God's not doing anything. And nothing's going to happen. We don't want to be part of that group. It starts getting that attitude. Brother Keith McLeod was a, a dear friend of ours who's gone to be with the Lord. <clears throat> he told this story, a man, uh, I guess a pastor, or maybe it was him, when he, he went around the room asking the, the different people, he said, what, what do you think? If I were to ask you right now, just be honest about it, do you think the Lord might come tonight or you think not? The guy was honest. He said, I think not. Each one of them went around, I think not. He said, at such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. That's what Jesus said. Everything's right on schedule. Remember Habakkuk 2.3 For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, it's going to seem like a long time. Wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. So God is a God of sudden and unexpected blessing. But there may be an even greater encouragement in this than we realize and lay hold of. First of all, in Habakkuk 2.3, it says, God says the vision is for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. Now, I don't know, I know, Brother Jeffrey, I think you were reading from the New American Standard, and I think most of the modern translations, I don't know what you all use. But it's not a textual problem, it's a question of how to translate it. But I believe that the New American Standard has it right. i just give you some examples. The ESV does it like this. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And the Amplified, it hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It's hurrying. Literally, in the margin of my Bible, the literal is, in the Hebrew, it pants. It pants toward the goal. Uh, Darby, back in 1890, translated it, it hastens to the end. And Young's literal translation, it it breatheth for the end. So it's panting toward the goal, hastening toward the goal. So they, they translate the word panting for the goal. You get the idea, this vision is just 
it's panting, it's trying to get there, it's hastening toward the goal. Okay? So that's the picture here. Um, the, the fulfillment of the vision may be a long way off, it may be years away. It's for the appointed time. It may seem like it tarries. But actually, right at the time when God seems to be doing nothing, He's working thousands and millions of details, hastening everything towards the goal of the fulfillment. He's hastening it in the direction of the vision's fulfillment. <clears throat> now, I say this reverently, and you've got to understand what I'm saying. God is doing things as fast as he can. As fast as he can. Oh, he could do, I mean, he could, he could fill the sky with angels right now, but to do it in perfect wisdom and perfect timing and all the rightness and everything in place, he's going as fast as he possibly can, hastening everything toward the goal. Now, what am I talking about? Every minute detail has to be perfect. We, we talked about Joseph. Alright, think of these dreams. Your brothers are going to come and bow down to you and so on. So, the vision is yet for the appointed time. God says it's, it's hastening toward the goal. Well, what's that? Well, every step that Joseph takes going down to Egypt, he's working towards the fulfillment of that dream. Every single part of it. I mean, God says, look, I've got to get him down to Egypt. I've got to get him somehow to a position where he gets betrayed and gets put in prison. And I've got to have a situation because ultimately in the end, somehow he's got to meet Pharaoh's cupbearer before that dream's ever going to be interpreted. And he's going to end up in the position, the fulfillment. So every step of the way, God's hastening it toward the goal. And there's something bigger than all that. He's got to work in Joseph. If he's if God I heard the story of I think it's a true story. Father had a lot of money and his son was turning sixteen and he gave him the keys to a powerful sports car on his sixteenth birthday, gave him that car and gave him the keys and thirty minutes later he was dead. Now God is not going to do that with Joseph. So if he's going to become the most powerful man of the world, he's going to have to get broken and broken and broken and broken and tested and broken down some more. And that could not happen without all those events in between. It's hastening toward the goal, you see. And God gets him to the place. I don't know what, I mean, who knows what happened the night before he got out of that prison. He may have, he may have, bro he may have been in the deepest depths that he ever was. And he's crying out to God and saying, oh Lord, whatever you want. I'm done. I've got nothing. I'm giving myself to you in, in the deepest way I ever have. I know, I know I'll never get out of this prison. <laughs> You know, who knows what it was. But God had all that had to be done before the vision could be fulfilled. He says it's for an appointed time. It may be 
1700 years or whatever, but it's for an appointed time. It's going to happen. It will surely come. He says, I'm going to tell you, it will surely come. It won't delay, even though it's delaying all the time. It seems to be delaying. I'm working every detail. I'm hastening it toward the fulfillment. You think of the Lord's first coming. I mentioned those 400 years between Malachi, that prophecy in Malachi and his coming. There's a lot of things had to happen in those 400 years. The Greeks... The intellectuals had to prove that by their wisdom you can't find God. The Jews had to prove that by their religion you can't keep the law. The Romans had to build roads all over the empire so that the gospel could go out on these roads. Greek had to become the language of the empire so that it could be preached all over. See, one thing after another, God's lining up and getting ready. And then what's it say? In the fullness of time. The fullness one is exactly right. Not one day sooner or one day later. In the fullness of time, God sent, sent forth His Son. Saul of Tarsus. He's going down the road breathing out threatenings and slaughter. It says, suddenly, a light appeared. The Lord appeared, knocked him off the horse. Suddenly, but there was a lot of things had to happen. What, what's it say? He set me apart from my mother's womb. And he, he, he had to sit at the feet of Gamaliel. He had to get to the point where he hated and persecuted Christians. He had to go through kicking against the goads. He had to realize that he couldn't keep the law. There was all kinds of stuff that had to take place before he could be rightly and perfectly converted on the road to Damascus. Suddenly. Oh, don't you love this, brethren? God suddenly does things. Never, ever get the idea God's not doing anything. He's doing everything. He's working all things after the counsel of His will, getting it all set up and lined up. And it's not just in big things like Saul's conversion or like the coming of the Messiah. It's in, you remember in, his, in the case of Hezekiah there in Second Chronicles 29. Hezekiah, the first year he becomes king, he begins to cleanse the temple and get everything and the worship set up. And what's the last verse of that chapter? This is what it says. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared it wasn't some afterthought. God had prepared for the people because a thing came about suddenly. So God is preparing things for us. Blessings in, in the church. Blessings in our lives. I mean, you look back at some of the things that have changed the course of your life the most and there were things you had no way of planning ahead of time. You didn't expect it at all. You didn't even realize when it happened what this was all going to lead to. This is God's way. God is constantly active, constantly doing everything. Constantly working all things after the counsel of His own will. We need to remember that with, a, 
Now think of this. With the Lord, a thousand years is like a single day. So Jesus has been gone for two days. But there's the other side of it too. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. Well, what's that mean? Well, this car wreck that you're in where the car is flipping end over end and things are flying around, you know how these slow motion deals in the movies or whatever, you, for God, a day is like a thousand years. Every little detail of that thing is moving as slow as if it was not even moving. He's got all the time in the world, so to speak. <laughs> and he can plan that thing out perfectly and control it perfectly. That split second for you lasts a thousand years for him if he wants it to. God is not hurried along by time, neither is he worn out or bored by time. The vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens. Beloved, we of all people ought to have an attitude of hope and expectancy. The Lord says in Zephaniah 1.12, It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. I'm going to get right in here and find out. I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. And that's that phrase settled on their lees. It's the idea of wine that's been left there. It's not mixed up and all the stuff settled down. They're stagnant in spirit. Who say in their hearts, they're not necessarily saying it out loud, but they're saying in their hearts, what? The Lord will not do good or evil. God's not going to do anything. He's not going to judge and He's not going to bless. Those are the very things God will do. <laughs> sudden blessing or sudden judgment. He said, I'm going to punish people with that attitude. The very things that He will do and He'll do them suddenly. So here's Peter in prison about to be executed the next morning. <clears throat> and behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And a light shone in the cell and struck, he struck Peter's side, roused him saying, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. <laughs> Paul and Silas in prison about midnight, praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And suddenly there came an earthquake and the foundations of the prison house were shaken. Here's Jacob fleeing, you know, uh, fearful of Esau, staying back, sending all these things ahead. He had no idea that that night he's going to be wrestling with the angel of the Lord. Samson. I love this. It says, the child grew up and the Lord blessed him and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zor and Eshtel. So something unexpected. This is something we could pray for one another. You know, you're driving on your way to work, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. It's just like God coming. God coming from the outside, so to speak. And doing things that you don't expect suddenly. Church history is full of such things, and with this I'll close. I'll just give one example. 
In the 1700s, William Williams was part of a group who met to pray for revival. And these prayer meetings were dull and lifeless and hard going. And they eventually decided to quit. They said, this is going to be our last prayer meeting. Don't you just love the ways of God? He says, at last, forced by cowardice, unbelief, and the onslaughts of Satan, we resolved to give up our special meeting. And now we were about to offer a final prayer, fully intending never again to meet thus in fellowship. But it's when man reaches the lowest depths of unbelief that God imparts faith, and when man has failed, then God reveals himself. So here with us in such dire straits on the brink of despair, with the door shut to every hope of success, God himself entered into our midst, and the light of day from on high dawned upon us. For one of the brethren, yes, the most timid of us all, and the one who was strongest in his belief that God would never visit us, Here's one of the guy, the most unbelieving, skeptical guy in the group. It says, while in prayer he was stirred in his spirit and laid hold powerfully on heaven as one who would never let go. His tongue spoke unusual words. His voice was raised. His spirit was aflame. He pleaded. He cried to God. He struggled. He wrestled in earnest like Jacob in the agony of his soul. The fire took hold of others. All were awakened. The coldest to the most heedless took hold and were warm. The spirit of struggling and wrestling fell on us. We all went with him into the battle. And with him we laid hold upon God, his attributes, his word, his promises, resolving that we would never let go our hold until all our desires should be satisfied. And it came to pass that there fell upon us the sweet breath of the love of the Lord. We were filled as if with the fullness of the bowls and the horns of the altar. The fire was kindled and we gave voice with our tongues. The cloud melted away. The sun rose. We drank of the fruit of the vines of the promised land. We were made to rejoice. Gone was unbelief. Gone guilt. Gone fear. Gone a timid and cowardly spirit. Lack of love, envy, suspicion together with all the poisonous worms that tormented us before. And in their place came love, faith, hope, a joyful spirit, with a glorious multitude of the graces of the Holy Spirit. Up till now the service was only beginning, for prayer, singing, praise, and blessing were redoubled, and no one felt like bringing things to an end. And now some were weeping, some praising, some singing, some filled with heavenly laughter, all full of wonder and love and amazement at the Lord's work. To my mind, like the time of the apostles when the Spirit descended from on high on a handful of fearful people and strengthened them mightily to come out of their secret hiding place into the midst of the streets of Jerusalem, and to declare the name of the Lord before every tribe, tongue, and nation that had gathered together there from the uttermost parts of the earth. As it was then, so it was here now. And I've read that at length just to give a little feel for how God has done this in church history suddenly. 
I said, we're going to come and have our last prayer meeting. We're done. We give up hope. Suddenly, suddenly, God came. He does that in individual lives. One of my close college friends came home from some meetings and just sat sitting in his trailer with his Bible open. This is gonna, I said, I'm going to have a little time reading the Bible and pray. Suddenly God came and met with him in a glorious way. Suddenly. There's a hymn, Sometimes a Light surprises the Christian as he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wing. Here's a Christian singing. He's singing out of faith. He doesn't feel like singing. But sometimes a light surprises the Christian as he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. Fanny Crosby says, Though my weary steps may falter and my soul of thirst may be, Gushing from the spring, spring before me, low, or gushing, how, how does it say? Somebody, what? Gushing from the rock before me, there it is. And I'm glad we got that because that's it. There's, water doesn't come out, out of the rock. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul a thirst may be, Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. See, that's suddenly. Those are sudden visitations. <clears throat> All of a sudden. Well, may God help us to realize that far from doing nothing, He's constantly working in countless ways beyond our imagination to hasten the fulfillment of His gracious plans for us. How does William Cooper say it? Uh, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. What's He say? His purposes will ripen fast. We don't feel like they're ripening fast. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. That's the reality for the Christian. Suddenly. Amen.